Welcome back to another episode of Keep It Brief. I'm SK and I'm here with Cam. Hey guys. And we're finally back. Obviously, we were gone last week, so we couldn't record a new episode for you guys. It was Thanksgiving, so we both went home Mm -hmm. for the week, which was nice. But we're back. We are back. We're ready for another episode. So this one is about sterilization. Mm -hmm. Um, We're primarily going to focus on Buck versus Bell, but then we'll reference another case in a little bit. Um, so yeah, we can just kind of walk you through some of that. It's about a woman named Carrie Buck. She was the first person who was forcibly slash involuntarily sterilized under Virginia's, um, eugenics laws. Mm -hmm. This happened in the 1920s, obviously when the eugenics movement kind of had a chokehold on everyone. It was, you know, yeah, believe it or not, it was not just the Nazis. It was over here primarily, and I think even in America. I think even somewhat beforehand, the Nazis I know piggybacked off of a lot of like the way that like California and stuff did their sterilization procedures. Yeah, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this girl, she was what they deemed feeble-minded, which is disgustingly vague, <laughs> and yeah. as you can imagine, leaves a lot of room for interpretation. Uh huh. Yeah. So in 1920, Carrie's mother was diagnosed also as feeble-minded. Again, some basically just meaning that they were a little bit slower. They had a, a lower mm-hmm. mental age, which is, again, to me, feels like a really hard thing to have an objective scale for. Um, right, right. Especially then, you know, with their the limits that they had with technology. So this diagnosis came, you know, from a lot of symptoms that they would deem as, you know, not desirable especially if it was something to do with like sexual behavior or something with women. So Carrie, her mom, and I think her grandma all had been diagnosed with feeble-mindedness. And since her mom was diagnosed, her mother was committed to a mental Mm -hmm. hospital. Carrie moved in with a foster family, became pregnant in 1923. She said that the foster family's nephew raped her. After finding out about this information, they said that she was also feeble-minded and mentally unwell and she was also placed at the at the mental hospital after she had given birth to this child the mental hospital the virginia state colony for epileptics and feeble-minded in lynchburg virginia wanted Mm -hmm. to use her as a testing case for the state's new forcible sterilization law for the mentally unfit yeah so basically when the case was brought about to the Supreme Court. It was, you know, as SK said, to decide whether or not the operation was going to take place. So the constitutional question for this case was basically dealing with the 14th Amendment. The court was trying to decide if the sterilization laws in Virginia, if they violated the due process clause of the 14th Amendment, and if they violated equal protection of the laws under the 14th Amendment. So this is shocking in my opinion obviously Mm -hmm. i think anyone who's reading this would also be shocked by this but the court ultimately decided that the statute in virginia did not violate the constitution they felt like virginia as a state had the right to forcibly sterilize buck and that her condition of feeble-mindedness warranted that they just basically let it happen which is crazy yeah because at the time you know part of the whole eugenics movement which was not very scientifically sound, um, but dealt a lot with what they thought were hereditary traits. And obviously there are certain predispositions people can have towards things like alcoholism and stuff. Um, But the law basically provided that anyone 
could be forcibly sterilized if they were found to be incompetent due to like alcoholism. Mm -hmm. We said fetal mindedness, any sort of insanity, epilepsy, which is interesting to me because I think maybe that has to do with just the way we've changed thinking about it. I could see if they were looking at from a more like religious yeah. perspective. It's like, oh, she's possessed or something versus now that's yeah, like a seizure dis- can look scary. Right. But yeah. it's like a distinct, it's a much more, I'm, I mean, they can be linked, but like it's right. a much more physical um, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. body ailment that the Virginia laws, they were assuming that all of these traits were hereditary and that sexual sterilization would be able to prevent those things from being transmitted. And I'm just going to be so freaking saying this. I think this whole topic is like really difficult to even talk about because so many of these quote unquote issues, I mean, and this was obviously also a different time, not that it excuses any of this, but so many people like that, you know, friends, family, people we go to school, like these are things that just, I feel like we all know people who suffer with these things. So then to try to qualify it as like some sort of disability, like it's just, honestly, this is kind of an awkward thing to talk about. Right. Well, and it's just, it's such a, such a drastic measure because mm-hmm. first of all, depending on how soon you're trying to assess whatever your feeble mindedness is, you know, like sometimes they're categorically making these statements about kids before they've had a chance to even develop. Obviously everyone develops at different stages you know some might like develop a lot earlier on and then not as much later or vice versa and a lot of times like we said so she said that she was you know raped and and she had a rough life like her Mm -hmm. dad died young her mom was taken away from her so she was in and out of foster care system she was taken out of school to do like domestic work for her foster family obviously abused by the nephew of her foster family so a lot of these things you know aside from the fact that, that obviously being raped is not your fault but even even if they were trying to use like sexual promiscuity as a reason, obviously you can look. There's a lot of research on there. Like, is a linkage between kids who are who are sexually abused, and then sometimes that can have like different patterns that unfold later in life. And again, I'm not saying that those kids are to like to blame for that or that those patterns right, right. make them. But it's like they're not getting to the root of the issue. And it's like, okay, now you have sterilized this girl so she can no longer get pregnant. So actually, now there can never be proof that mm-hmm. she was raped again. You know? Yeah. Well, I think what's crazy too, and it just really reiterates the, you know, just disturbing mindset that a lot of people had at this time. Justice um, Holmes, when they affirmed the case, he said that the value of a law like this one in Virginia, it was, quote unquote, to prevent the nation from being swamped with incompetence. Mm -hmm. Three generations of imbeciles are enough. Right. Like what? Can you imagine you go to the Supreme Court to try to fight for your ability to have children, which, you know, is such even just today, there's like so many fertility issues. Like, I feel like it's a big thing that a lot of people are talking about because they want to sterilize you. And the judge who says they're allowed to sterilize you says that three generations of imbeciles are enough. No, absolutely. It's It's so offensive. Well, and what's more concerning to me is so later on, like she was given, you know, whatever she had one of the wards at the at the colony was given sort of like a conservatorship over her that he was like her guardian but eventually she did get married to some other guy and so what's weird to me is it's like okay so she's not mentally stable enough to have a child or like be a mother or should not be able to procreate but you're allowing her to marry some guy and so you're saying that she's sound of mind enough to like engage in like presumably um like marital relations yeah. and stuff yeah you know again like not saying that i agree with that but like if you were trying to make the case of 
hey, if she really was feeble-minded because she can't have a child, but you think she can consent to doing this mm-hmm. with the guy. So I'm like, mm, I think you need to pick which one is it. Right. I know we have a couple interesting different clips and another smaller case related to this that we're going to talk about here in a second on Keep It Brief on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. And so I think the craziest thing about this is that this Supreme Court case was never overturned, never appealed. Mm-mm. I think there's 31 different states in which forcible sterilization for different whatever mental defects as they, you know, Would as say, they deem yeah. is permitted. In the case Skinner v. Oklahoma, which is what you were talking about earlier, Camden. Oh, okay. It clarified and slightly restricted the use, but ultimately it was too late because these laws that we had passed here, especially in California had already completely inspired Nazi Germany's sterilization procedures, which would result in like up to, I think, 450,000 people being sterilized. So in Skinner v. Oklahoma, the question was whether or not it was okay to use forced sterilization as a punishment, criminal behavior. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma had passed in 1935 the Criminal Sterilization Act. And so for repeat offenders, people who had been convicted three or more times of crimes, quote unquote, amounting to felonies involving moral turpitude, they could be forcibly sterilized. So this guy, Skinner, was determined to be a habitual offender in order to be sterilized. But he said that the law violated the 14th Amendment. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of confused reading this at first because of, you know, that it's saying felonies involving moral turpitude. And if you're a repeat offender, my mind immediately went, okay, like a repeated, you know, sex offender or yeah. something of that case. Not necessarily saying that I even have a full, full-fledged thought on whether or not that would be something that I would agree with as a punishment for those. I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm just saying that's not what this is about. Right. Like, that's a horrible, disgusting crime. But then it's like you give the government the power to punish you like that and then it's like okay what else are they gonna do it it just opens i mean the door's apparently already been open one also like okay but it's scary if we're talking about actually getting to the root and, and again assuming if it, this was like the case of the perpetrator being male sterilizing him doesn't really like stop him from doing the crime like you'd have to mm-hmm. you'd have to be you'd have to do something different to prevent him from committing that crime again anyways though my mind immediately went and so i was like okay i kind of get where you're coming from that. I honestly, in that case, I was like, that makes more sense to me than deeming people people mentally unfit. You can like track it. Like, yeah. There's a, right. Those two things, if it was that sort of crime, mm-hmm. there's a link. Right. To a degree. And so this guy Skinner is like, no, that violates the 14th Amendment. Yeah. Due process. My right to due process. Mm-hmm. Court concluded unanimously Mm -hmm. that the act violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. And they reasoned that certain crimes like embezzlement were excluded from the act's jurisdiction without any sort of explanation or reason. Court also said that because of social and biological implications of reproduction and because of the irreversibility of sterilization operations, that these mandated sterilization laws should be subject to strict scrutiny when they are used. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. I'm just, you know, looking at the decision. It's that in the concurrence, Chief Justice Stone said that he thought it violated the Constitution because of the due process 
clause, whereas the other justices said they thought it was under the equal protection clause. I just think, I mean, I always think this whenever they concur and there's like a slight difference. I'm like, okay, why'd you need to do that? But that's just interesting that he cited, you know, a different aspect of literally the same amendment. But I guess regardless, they didn't think you should be sterilized. So it doesn't matter a whole bunch, but just those different discrepancies are always interesting. Right. So coming up, we actually have some really unfortunate stories of people that these different sterilization laws have affected firsthand. So we're going to play those for you and react to them here on Keep It Brief on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. The Fernald School is the oldest institution of its kind in the country. At its peak, some 2,500 people were confined here at a time, most of them children, all of them called feeble-minded, whether they were or not. We thought for a long time that we belonged there, that we were not part of this species. We thought we were some kind of, you know, people that wasn't supposed to be born. The Fernald School and others like it were part of a popular American movement in the early 20th century. It was called the eugenics movement. The idea was to separate people considered to be genetically inferior from the rest of society to prevent them from reproducing. Eugenics is usually associated with Nazi Germany, but in fact, it started here in America. Not only that, it continued here long after Hitler's Germany was in ruins. At the height of the movement in the 1920s and 30s, exhibits were set up at fairs to teach people about eugenics. It was good for America, good for the human race. That was the message. I would estimate that at least 50% would function in today's world well. Take Fred Boyce. He was just eight years old in 1949 when his foster mother died and the state of Massachusetts committed him to Fernald. Fred's records from Fernald show they labeled him as a moron, even though tests showed his intelligence was within the normal range. Not bad for a boy with no education at all. Do you know why the state recommended that you come here? It was the easy way out. They didn't have to look for homes for you. So they could just dump you off in these human warehouses and just let you rot, you know? And that's what they did. They let us rot. They said you were feeble-minded. Yeah. You weren't feeble-minded. They kept you here 11 years. Of the most precious time that you have as a child. I think what really sticks out to me after listening to that is the fact that, you know, Mr. Boyce, he wasn't actually of any sort of mental disability. Like, yes, kind of like Buck in the case earlier, like she had a hard life. He also had a hard life, but there was no reason that he had to get put in one of these facilities. It was really just the system that failed him. And it's really scary to me that these laws were put in place and they could affect people that were perfectly normal. And I do want to say, obviously, disclaimer, even if someone is suffering from some sort of, you know, mental disability or things like that, it would never in a million years warrant any sort of like sterilization or this treatment regardless but at a time where they felt like it was an appropriate treatment for someone of that mental capability the fact that there were also people that you know could have lived completely normal lives and were subject to that treatment it's just all around really disturbing right especially because as he proved, he was of no different mental capability. All of his test scores said that he was normal, so it's terrifying that 
A, how quickly someone becomes a property of the state Mm -hmm. when there's no other plan in place. And then you are relegated to this warehouse, as he said, to essentially go rot, even though your test scores are normal, you are normal. Now you have no rights and are at the liberty of a system that does not seem to inherently value your worth as a human being. And how violating, and I cannot even begin to imagine how traumatizing that would be to at such a young age when you already have like lost your parents, lost your family, whatever. Now you have some, some something so inherently tied to your sense of identity and personhood that is ripped from you, you know, mm-hmm. man or woman. You have no home, no family, and you're trying to figure out who you are and to have that happen to you is horrible. Right. And as they explained at the beginning of the clip too, and as you said earlier in this episode, SK, this is the same thing that the Nazis were doing. So can you imagine then also after all those horrific things are happening and America continued to, you know, have these sorts of programs after Germany fell and then it's to be involved in one of these programs and know that all those atrocities were committed and they were such horrible crimes and then you're sitting in America and you're thinking, wow, the exact same thing's happening to me. Like, this is horrible and unjust. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that there's no one person to shoulder the blame, you know, who gets Mm -hmm. to go apologize to him, who gets to go make his life right because whatever he said, I forgot what state it was. Was it for Massachusetts? Okay. The state of Massachusetts put him in this home. No, 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 no. The state doesn't do anything. People do things. Mm -hmm. People make decisions. Mm -hmm. So what person was it that made the decision that he was a moron and put him in this home? That's what I want to know. I hate how often that happens that corrupt people hide under the guide of guys of the state, the government, the whatever, like, no, no, no. Come out of the shot. Come on. Yeah. Show your face. What's your name? Yeah. Speak up. All right. Let's keep going with this video. The school made sure at least 30% of the kids admitted had normal or near normal intelligence. The school needed those kids to work. You had to have somebody with a certain level of intelligence in order to run this place. In effect, you were very cheap labor. Definitely. And I can remember like being out in the gardens from morning to night in the sun. Didn't have any unions, did you? Didn't have much of anything, you know. Joe Almeida had an unusual job, and the fruits of his labor are still there 50 years later. My job was to, was to cut these up. What he cut up were the brains of people who had died at Fernald. He cut them into thin slices so they could be studied by scientists. Nothing ever came of the research, but the bits of brains are still there. They're still sitting here years later. I mean, what was it all for? What an odd dynamic, too, to have half of these kids who are essentially normal and they're the workers here for kids with legitimate mental disabilities. Mm-hmm. You know, it almost it, it I feel like it would sort of create almost like a Lord of the Flies dynamic. Also, did people condone having their brains used for medical research? I'm starting to think like, hey, if the state gives you to the state hospital, does the state also own your brain? I'm assuming so. And that's obviously concerning in itself. And I think with just the concern you brought up, it's so valid because in the next clip we're about to play, there's more examples of how the state, you know, really took advantage of the vulnerability of these children and the fact that, you know, they were at the mercy of this home, if you want to call it that, that they lived in. The uh, nation was shocked to learn that the federal government sponsored radiation experiments on human subjects without their consent. 
In Senate hearings in 1994, it came out that scientists from MIT had been giving radioactive oatmeal to the boys, men now, in a nutrition study for Quaker Oats. We were never told anything. All they knew is that they'd been asked to join a science club. One of those who attended the hearing was Joe Almeida, a member of the club. He says the boys were recruited with special treats. Fred, also in the science club, got a group of the other members together and they sued. Each received about $60,000 in compensation from MIT, Quaker Oats, and the government. What's, what stays with you the most? Being a moron. Never, uh, never getting to know what, what I could have been. I think that the longer we listen to this clip, it just gets more and more disturbing. It's like all of these horrible things were happening to these kids and they had no say in the matter. These horrible experiments like testing radiation on them and sterilization not only make us not much different from the likes of Nazi Germany, but also I think just further reinforce the importance of bodily autonomy, but even more so the sanctity of human life. And a really hard pill to swallow with all of this is that, you know, the Supreme Court upheld different laws and regulations that allowed these things to happen. But those are things we're able to explore and learn more about on Keep It Brief here on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.